today we're going to talk about some things because we're going into the week of encounter. Now, this is something traditionally we've done here at uh, Bridgewood for several years, and we used to call it uh, the week of prayer and fasting. All those things are wrapped up in encounter, but encounter is, is about really paying attention, the week of encounter, paying attention to how we need to connect and continually connect with Jesus. Now, this year, what we did, the, the first two weeks of January, we had uh, two experiences of, of prayer nights to lead into it, which is different. And I want to show all my cards here and tell you why we're doing that. We want to become a culture of prayer here. We want to have a culture of prayer here where it's not just one week we focus on this, but it's something that we do every day and every week, and we want to do. We want to be a part of. I would love someday, three or four years from now, even sooner, but it usually takes that long to get something to become part of the culture. But three or four years from now, I would love to see weekly prayer times, weekly worship times, and not because we feel obligated or it's about time we do something, but because we need to every single day stay consciously connected with Jesus so that we can go out and do the good work that he's called us to do from a place of being with him, not a place of obligation. So when we enter this week, keep that in mind. Because staying connected with him is not just something we hope to do. It is essential. It's not just, well, I hope, someday I hope to stay, you know, connect with him. No, the life of a Christian is every day is asking, Lord, what do you want to say with me? Because that postures ourselves to connect with him. Now, there are obstacles that happen. Busyness, hurriness, temptation, all the way around, and excuses, I'm just going to call this out, okay? Some of the excuses we have is, I don't hear the Lord. Who's ever felt that way? Okay, I'm going to challenge everybody on that. I believe we hear the Lord, we just don't identify his voice. Now, I've seen that too often, that we get these nudges and these things in our hearts and our spirits, but we, we discount it and we say, I, I don't know if I hear the Lord, my head gets in the way. I, I think that way too sometimes. And then we forget that, that God made our physical bodies. Have you ever walked into a room and you felt something wasn't right? Raise your hand. And then you go, well, that, I think that's just my gut. Anyone say that? Who made your gut? Right? We all have the capacity to hear the Lord, and we all do hear the Lord. But we do make excuses. There's all these different things that get in the way from us stepping into our destiny, and our destiny is to be with Jesus. Sometimes we think that my destiny is to do something. Well, that becomes part of it, but it comes out of being with Jesus. It comes out of this, this posturing, and, the, and I heard Mark and Sharon did great jobs at showing the posturing that we need to have, the stillness, the, the surrender of just being on our knees in worship and saying, Lord, have all of me. We need to posture ourselves in such a way that we're ready to get connected. And I don't mean ready that we feel completely prepared, but we're ready to say yes. Because I'm a, if, you hear, if you don't hear anything else, I want you to hear this. All Jesus wants us to do is say yes, period, no matter what he asks. But first, to him, yes, Lord. I may not feel ready, but that doesn't matter because you're calling me. And in you, I have everything. So yes. And then when he calls us to different places, which he will and which he is and which he does, then what's, what's our answer? What does he want from us? Yes. Okay. Now, 
We have the baseline established. The word, yes, to God's voice. Do we all hear God's voice? Is it hard to identify his voice sometimes? Yes. But we do the good work and we continue to engage. We don't stop. We continue to ask him questions. We continue to put ourselves in position. And that means prayer. That means worship. That means fellowship. That means the word. Oh, we are word-deprived church these days, it feels like, in some places. I'm not talking about Bridget, but as a whole. These are places we posture ourselves to connect with them. Just a few, and there's more. And here at Bridgewood, that's what he's been, that's what he's been doing. That's what he's been priming us for, is to say yes, is to say yes, is to say yes. So when we go in today and we go into this week of encounter, know that it's just a platform. It's not the destination. It's just part of the process to continue to grow us and put this on our minds and our hearts that every day we have to strive to put ourselves in position to say yes. You know, the best position is just giving up and going, okay, Lord, right? So today, I I want you to just listen. You know, the the last few times I preached, I haven't used PowerPoint and stuff like that because I want us to be able to just engage. And for some people, it's good to engage there. But I want you to use your imaginations. And so if you have your Bibles, please please take them out and be ready. Um, We're going to look at Luke 4, 1 through 4 today, and Matthew 4, 1 through 4. And I'll read this out loud, and you can follow along if you like. Uh, But I want you to picture the things that uh, we read here. Again, that's Luke chapter 4, 1 through 4, and Matthew 4, 1 through 4. And before I read that, how many have heard this ridiculous word called hangry? H-A-N-G-R-Y, right? Hangry. Hangry, okay? Can, who has not heard of that word? Okay, that's okay. That's probably good. I was uh, in, in June. I'll tell you what this means in just a second. In April, I think, last April, um, I went to my family reunion in Northern California. And we have a, a, just a ton of family. Like, you don't even know if you're in the same town, if you're running into family or not. It was like one of those kind of things. And I took Gracie out with me and my dad, just the three of us. And it was, in, it was insanity, absolute insanity. So we're at this family house we have in the woods and there's all this acreage. It's really beautiful. Ah, ha, ha, ha. You know, all nice stuff. Well, how do you feed a bunch of people? You, you do the buffet style. So, um, and we have, we categorize everyone in generations. So G1, G2, G3. And so, and that's how they assign tasks. So I'm, I'm a G3, and it goes down to like 10. I don't even know. This is crazy. And, and so I'm, we're, we're told that we have to serve. So cool, no problem. Well, I have this cousin I've only met like twice in my life. And she's this volleyball player. She's really tall. And, and uh, we, we get down, and I'm serving someone. And now it's time for us to eat. And she's so hungry. She's getting mad at me because I'm taking my time serving other people. And she kind of shoves me while I'm serving and I'm just going, what are you doing? She goes, I am hangry. And I said, what are you angry about? No, I'm not angry. I'm hangry. What does that mean? She goes, I'm hungry and I'm angry about it. Now you're getting hangry. I'm just going, that is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. 
But there's something to it. What happens when we miss a meal or something, or we're really hungry? How many get, yeah, you get crabby, you get irritated. How many for you, it's probably not a good decision for someone to ask you a serious question when you're really hungry? Own it. I can't talk about that right now. I'm hungry, right? I'm going to go hike below glycemic here. I need to eat something, okay? Well, keep that in mind. I mean, it could be one meal, or it could be you haven't even missed a meal, but you're so excited after breakfast to get to lunch that you just get irritated when you're riding around that lunch thing, time frame, because you're ready to eat. Does anyone get there and you just get agitated, okay? I want you to think about that when we go through this passage. Keep that on the forefront of your minds. I get that way. Man, if, if I don't eat at a certain time, it's like, don't talk to me, right? So here we go, starting from Luke. Luke 4, 1 through 4. Jesus has just been baptized. And I want us to pay attention to some of the words here because Both of these passages, Matthew and Luke, are about the same event, but they use some different phrases and give us different information that I think are a bigger part of the whole that I want us to to pay attention to today. And this is what we hear. Jesus, full, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan where he was baptized, was led by the Spirit in the desert where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those 40 days. He ate nothing for 40 days. He ate nothing. At the end of them, he was hungry. (laughs) The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live on what? Bread alone. Now, before we hit that, let's go to Matthew 4, and we hear some of the same or similar language. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was what? Hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And he says this with a little more information. It is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word. That comes from the mouth of God. By every word, it comes from the mouth of God. Now, I want to give you a little, uh, well, what's the right word? I'm out of my depth here. Biology lesson, physiology lesson, whatever. I'm going to tell you what happens when you don't eat for 40 days. (laughs) When you don't eat for 40 days, here's the outcome. Because when we read this, we kind of don't put in perspective what Jesus had just gone through. Oh, you didn't eat for 40 days, no big deal. And he said no to, to the tempter. Way bigger deal than anything you've ever imagined. Way bigger deal. When your body does not take food in, okay, he didn't say he didn't have water. He has to have water. He's fully human, okay? But he did not eat for 40 days, which means this. He becomes agitated. He could, possibilities of hallucination, lack of focus. Those are just elementary things, okay? He will lose 
anybody will lose almost up to half their body weight over that time. Think about that. Now, I'm about 165 pounds. I'm not going to do the math here, but I'm, that would be bad, right? Okay, so then that's bad enough. Those are just, there's more specifics to that, but that's just bad enough, is it not? So he probably looks terrible. Now, when I was reading this about what it does to your body and how people do this on purpose because it's a spiritual discipline or whatever, but this is in a, a good environment. So if you're at home, if you're in a safe place, these are the symptoms that will happen. You have access to medical care. You have access to help. If you really needed to, there's a fridge right there. But that's not what Jesus was in. He was in the wilderness. And when we're talking about the wilderness, we're talking about a place, okay? We're talking about a place where it is extremely dangerous and hostile. The environment, the things that you would run into. And that increases everything. Does it not? I mean, that just makes, that exacerbates everything. I saw a picture, I, I saw a picture on, on Facebook or somewhere that, that showed the president before he took office and after. And it wasn't a very long time, but they said, if you want to get old quick, become the president. And they showed this progression because the environment in which we're in takes a toll on who we, uh, what we look like in our bodies. So it was hard enough that he was not eating for 40 days, but he's not doing that in the wilderness. And then the tempter comes. Now think about it. It's hard for us to miss a meal and not react or snap at someone. Right? Now imagine you've lost half your body weight. You're by yourself in the wilderness in a hostile environment. You don't have the refrigerator. You don't have your cell phone. You don't have these easy outs of your situation And the tempter, who we've all, all given into at one time in our lives, is tempting Jesus and says, you've got all the power. Almost like he's down and out. You've got all the power you want. So you say, if you're really the son of God, turn all this into bread. Help yourself. It wasn't like they were talking face to face and Jesus is fine. He's at his worst physically. But my point is this, when you are connected with the Father, your point of weakness at your worst can be your greatest strength. He postured himself before the Lord in such a way that the Lord became his sustenance. And in the moment where he could have said, no, this is a serious moment, by the way. This is not just, oh, we teach it in Bible school. You know, Jesus was tempted three times. This is serious. This is the enemy of our God trying to get Jesus to turn on his father. This is serious. This is not a bedtime story. This is not a cute Sunday school story. This is real life that showed the power of the God we're invited to connect with who sends us out for the kingdom so other people can connect to him. And, they, and that all our responses will be, man will not live on bread alone. But by every word that comes from the mouth of God. How awesome would it be for us to be so connected with Jesus that in our worst moment of weakness, where we are the weakest, 
where we could be the most irritable, where we have every right to say, get away from me. I don't want to talk to you. Or, or give in and say, okay, I'll sell my soul for anything just to get out of this situation. He doesn't do that. How awesome it would be if we were so connected with him, we would always respond with the way he responds. I might be at my worst right now, but I know my Lord. And he says this. This is not where my true sustenance comes from. It comes from him. Now, when he says every word that comes from the mouth of God, we're not just talking about the sounds, but the reality of who God is. Yes, every word. But every word also means it's metaphorical in the sense of the character of God. I cling on to every single thing he is. My sustenance comes from the character of who he is, what he speaks, what he shows, what he lives, what he's blessed me with, not just the worldly things. But here's the key. And we're going to call this out. And from here on, we're going to engage this however the Lord wants us to. But there is a question, how does he do this? Easy answer, people will say, I've heard them say, well, he's Jesus. Who's heard that? When Jesus does good, crazy stuff, they're like, well, he's Jesus, I'm not Jesus. Well, Jesus went through the same stuff we went through. And the difference is, he is not afraid, and he does not fight the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Because this says, Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then the Spirit led him. He was filled, which means full, right? It's not this, well, is your cup half empty or half full? No, it's full. In the moment where he's probably half of himself physically to the point close to death. Now, this I forgot to say, your intestines and everything, your organs begin to shut down at the end of that time. And it was probably amplified because of the situation he was in. So it's even worse. But he was able to do all the things he did because he relied on the power and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And he wasn't half full. He was full. Which means God had complete access to who he is. So now I wasn't here for this, but when I hear about the posturing of being on our knees and, and worship, and say, we're saying, Lord, take who I am, and fill me from top to bottom. Bottom up, not just part of me. Have all of me. If I say I'm surrendering to Jesus, I'm not just surrendering half my heart, I'm surrendering my whole heart so he can fill me through the Holy Spirit from head to toe so that every time I'm tempted, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit and so I can say things that I may have not been prepared to say, but because I said yes to Jesus, I'm prepared. Now, I'm going to speak plainly to you. I'm going to speak as if I'm thinking it, and that could be dangerous. But just hear my heart, okay? This is not a judgment. This is more towards me. But I'm sick of us as a culture, as a church culture, saying, I think God wants me to do this, but I'm just, I don't know if I'm ready. I don't know if I'm prepared. Now, we do need to be equipped. Yes, we do need to learn the things of the Holy Spirit. That's discipleship. Yes, absolutely. But we wait till we think we have what we think we need. 
to be connected with him and to go where he wants us to go. I'm telling you this now. I never felt fully prepared and ready for marriage. I never felt, never felt fully prepared or ready for kids. But there's something just right about it. When you know that it's God, you know, and you go, whether or not. Because you know, when you say yes, he says this, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Which means he's going to give us all that we need. He says, I've given you everything you need for life and godliness. Everything. Everything. What do you think everything means? Everything. But we use that word in those absolutes in just regular conversation that we forget the power of it when Jesus says it. When he says it, he means it, and it'll blow your mind. See, when we posture ourselves to be connected with Jesus, we can now receive fully the power of the Holy Spirit. And for some reason, we're scared of the Spirit in the church. Or we say that if you don't speak in tongues or if it doesn't manifest himself this way or that way, you're not filled with him. Does he manifest himself in those ways? Absolutely. But he does in other ways. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. All those things, when you see that happening in your life, you are being filled. That's a product of who he is, not the enemy. Jesus is the ultimate safe place. The Holy Spirit is not a scary thing. It's scary in the sense that he takes us beyond what we can do, and we don't like the unknown. Sorry, too bad, get used to it. We're not a buffet. Do you want your life to just be a buffet for people? They can take what they want from you and just, you know, can you do that better? Because I think I want a little salt and pepper on that. We got to stop looking at the church that way. We are people of the living God that are called to posture themselves, to be consciously connected to him always, to receive the filling of the Holy Spirit, to say, Lord, do what you will, so that the burdens he puts on our heart don't scare us away, but we run to them because we know God is asking us to say yes, and because we're filled, we can say yes. And when we do that, we don't have to stand against and we don't have to stand up, we just stand with And that's a bigger picture. When we stand with Jesus, that means we go where he goes. And if you want to call it standing up something or standing against it, it doesn't matter. You're with Jesus. You're going where he wants you to go. And he's filled you with his Holy Spirit. He's inviting us to do that. We can't be afraid anymore of prayer. We can't be afraid anymore of experiencing the unknown. We can't be afraid anymore to confess because it's going to reveal ourselves. God already knows all that. And he wants us to receive healing and wholeness and step into the filling of the Holy Spirit so that we can go where he goes and we say yes. I want to be able to, and I don't, but I want to be able to say every day when it comes to the point where I feel spiritually I've lost half my body weight, that my organs are going to explode and I get tempted, I'll be like, you know what the Lord says? Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. It just kills me every time I say it because that's what we're called to, to be so close to him, 
that our weakest posture becomes our strongest posture. Jesus is not weak. He's not a foo-foo hippie. And he's not this tyrant. He's this powerful, gentle, tender, bold, etc., etc., etc. God that we are called to connect with. So it can't be just a week of encounter. It's got to be an everyday encounter. So now, there's my heart. I'm laying it out for you. I'm letting you know what I hope for from us as a body. And will lead us beyond these walls. But we cannot be afraid to go beyond these walls. It's his timing. But we can't manipulate it. We can't try and, and justify not engaging him. Because what engaging him means is that he will transform your life. And as he does that, he's going to use your transformed life to transform another. Which means you have to leave these walls in a sense. How many of you have a burden for someone, a people group, a situation that you just can't run from in your mind? Raise your hand. And if you don't, that's okay, but I'm just asking. Okay. Now I'm going to ask something of you um, to be vulnerable for a minute. How many of you have been afraid to engage that? I have in my life. Anybody? Okay. All right. So, as we go into this week, be thinking about that. Lord, what do you want to say to me about that? We are the hands and feet, right? And to give you an example, I'm going to end with this because I I, I want you to be clear. I want to share you what my burden has always been. And it's been a terrifying journey because being connected with Jesus means that I got to posture myself to say yes and trust that he's filled me with the Holy Spirit, which I believe he has, with ever-increasing glory, transforming me inside and out, and it's very hard. How many find it very hard? (laughs) I grew up in the church. I was terrified of the church. And my burden has been for the lukewarm in the church. And for some, that may not seem like a big deal, But it's one of the biggest deals when you have a country that would say they're 90% Christian, but in name only. My burden is for those people. How are the people, the lost, the broken, the hurt that don't know Jesus going to know them if we don't get off the fence? Will you see me in Africa? Will you see me in that? Probably not, maybe. But my burden has been the church. That the church would be the church. That God has called it to be right now in this time. And not just Bridgewood Community Church. We're part of a body that God wants to function properly. That's mine. So when we go into this week, that's what I'm engaging in my heart. Lord, what do you want to say about this more in my own heart? And what do I need to step into that I haven't been stepping into? Where are the places I need to go in the spirit that I have not allowed myself to go because I'm afraid? I'm afraid of what it would cost me rather than what you give me through it. Those are the questions I want you to be asking because you have a call to love your God 
with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, and to love one another the same way you would love him. Posturing ourselves in such a way, we can say, yes, Lord. Will it be an easy yes? Maybe not. We have a gracious God because I've said no many times, but he always leads me to a place where I finally say yes. And when I do, I go, why didn't I do that earlier? <laughs> Has anyone ever thought that? Now's the time. This week is not about humoring God that, oh, we're going to focus on prayer. Or humoring one another. What we have is now. It's time to posture ourselves in such a way that we're, we're going to say yes. You may not feel ready. Too bad. He thinks you are. And his opinion is really the only one that matters right now. Is it scary? Yep. But I feel a lot better when I have people around me <laughs> than when I don't. You know what you call that? The church. So as we close, I want you to be thinking what that burden is. Those places in your life. And it doesn't have to be necessarily social justice or this or that. It could be other things. I don't know what. There's a lot of different things. God has a lot of areas he wants to touch and a lot of places he wants to go. And he's going to use you to do it if you say yes And a temptation will be to compare it to someone else's call. Nope. It's yours. It was the hardest thing for me. Well, I'm not not in this country in the deep woods doing this and that. I'm here preaching here. I guess my gift's not as good. That's a a bunch of you-know-what. Okay? So whatever the burden is, don't discount it because you don't think it measures up to someone else's. If God's putting it there, he's putting it there because he's desiring you to say yes to him in such a way to address that. He wants to use you, partner with you to address those areas. So this week, we're going to focus on how do we say yes to that? How we do that together? How do we encourage one another? And how does prayer in consciously connecting with him become an everyday thing and not just a once in a while thing. Will that happen over one day? No. This is a marathon, folks. It's a marathon, but it's a good one. It's a good one. So I bless you with that in Jesus' name. That you would hear his voice, identify his voice, and say yes. Because you posture yourself in such a way that you say, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me. So, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name we would no longer be afraid of your power through your Holy Spirit, but we'd surrender to it. That we no longer try to put you in a box and make you in our own image or something we're comfortable with and we can live with. But that when we say, I surrender all, the meaning of that absolute becomes your meaning. How you see, I surrender all so that we may be filled, full of your presence. So that we can say yes and not have to have all the answers before we do. 
but just know that you are with us. You never leave us. You never forsake us. You've given us everything for life in you, life in godliness. That is life in you. It doesn't have to be complicated. You didn't make it complicated. You made it simple. Abide in me, and I will abide in you, and you will bear much fruit. I can live with those instructions, Lord. Thank you. We pray that you would bless this week, that this week would be a springboard into the deeper things of who you are and what you have for us as a church body, but as part of the larger church body. We pray against fear in Jesus' name. We pray against guilt and shame in Jesus' name. And we ask that you would protect us and be our strength in our weakest moments so that our weakest moments become our strongest moments because of how you fill us and respond to the enemy in a way that just obliterates him in that moment. We ask that you bless this time in worship that we would posture ourselves without fear to kneel before the king. We ask that you would bless our tithes and our offerings that are simply for you to advance your kingdom through your people. May we give without hesitation or fear but with confidence that it is for you and you gave it to us. Whatever it may be, money, time, relationship, it's all yours. Bless us. Unleash us unto the world for the power and the grace, the might, the tenderness, the love, and the joy of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Yeah. 